Father, I'm so grateful for our worship team. I'm so thankful, Father, for the posture of worship that they bring every single week and the way that they've been such a blessing to us. Now, Lord, would you continue that time of celebrating you, that it would move from all of our voices collective, now be centered on my voice, but that my personal voice would be moved so that your voice could be elevated. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I, I, it may not be a, a um, surprise to y'all, but I, uh, I, I always wanted to be a rapper. Yeah, rolling around, big crew, honorage. That 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 was that was the way I I wanted to get down. And if I couldn't do that, then a hooper. And I had a few other options. You know what I'm saying? But I thought that my flows was gonna get me there. And so, um, and so like there was these. There's there's in the rap game, you got to have the best metaphors. Your metaphor has to be better than the next rapper so that everyone can say, wow, you're the most creative. And so during the era when I was coming up, we used metaphors that described pain, that described like hurt, that described like some serious ways that you could torment another person. But you did it in a creative way to show like, don't mess with me because I'm the best. And so I'm listening to Wu-Tang or I'm listening to someone and I come across this, um, I come across this like style of torture. Yeah, it sounds, sounds a little crazy, but uh, it was called water torture. And this guy named uh, Hippolytus came up with it and he came up with it because he saw a rock sitting still and water dropping on the rock. And over time, the water actually carved out a section of the rock. And so in his uh, kind of demented fashion, he began to use that technique to torture people, a technique where he would take one bucket of water, put a small hole in it, have a person sit under it, and then one little drop doesn't, doesn't seem like much. Another little drop. And, and over time, as those drops kept hitting the head of an individual, it actually would drive a person insane. Like, like not just be bothered by something that you think is so light you stand out in the rain all the time and you feel rain. You don't think anything of it. But but over time, just these small drops would drive a person to the point of being insane. And insanity is when you you based, based on your state of mind, you're prevented from having a normal behavior, interacting with other people normally or even perceiving others normally. All this from just a little drip. Family, I invite you to dive in the scriptures with me today because I want to reveal to you the way that racism communicates a little drip that constantly hits the head of those that racism seeks to oppress, harm, and damage. But God's word 
is so beautiful that we know Satan and racism will not win. And so today's sermon is going to be called God Got the Drips. Not, not that he has drips, but more like God is going to take care of the drips. The drips will not overwhelm God. God got the drips. Look with me in Psalm 86. We're going to Psalm 86. And last week we were blessed by our brother JD that preached an encouraging word on lament. Word that helped us understand this, this crying out unto God. But Thanksgiving is a, is a little bit different. And we're going to see how Thanksgiving closely connects with lament. If you're looking with me there, Psalm 86, verse 1 says, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Incline your ear, O Lord. O Lord, that is a, a, a term that, that would stand out. If you were a person in, 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 in the ancient times, you would see that that's not the typical word used for God. See, God was other. God existed elsewhere. God was above all creation. And so you typically would use a term like Elohim. But here, David uses the term Yahweh. Yahweh, that term that was communicated to Moses when God revealed himself to Moses. And this term is not a term that simply defines who God is. It also defines the relationship with God. That term Yahweh means intimate God. There's a closeness, there's a, a personal aspect, kind of like the difference between saying father and daddy or the difference between a child and in recent weeks, a grown man saying, mother and mommy. You see this, this term is an intimate one and David is speaking intimately with his father, with his God, with his daddy. And, and, and next in this same verse, verse one, we get an understanding of, of what the context of this entire psalm is going to be. Continue with me. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and I am needy. For I am poor and I am needy. Two Hebrew words, uh, ani and evyan, those two words are together pretty often, um, but they don't communicate like simply materially poor and just needing some, some materials. No, actually what it communicates is I am broken because of oppression. I'm, I'm needy because of the oppression that is, is upon my shoulders and the weight is bearing me down. If you would look with, with me, if you have your Bibles, you could just flip over a, a book to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 14. You'll see these two words together again. Look, look how it's said in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 14, to help you understand the context, because some people will write it off so easy. Oh, they're just poor people without some money. No, look at verse 14, chapter 30 of Proverbs. There are those 
whose teeth are like swords, whose fangs are like knives, to devour the poor from of the earth, the needy from among mankind. You see, you see the relationship described there? That there is a oppression that is present that leads David to write this psalm. You see, these psalms are a little bit more unique. Thanksgiving psalms are a little bit unique because they have an element of lament in them. Last week, our brother, our brother Jonathan helped us understand the depths of lament, and, and it was it's gut-riching. I mean, it is it is at your core where you are crying out. But in Thanksgiving, it shifts just a small bit to you actually having received some of what you were longing for. I had a chance to, to worship with the kids. Uh, maybe this morning you guys played the video. And, and, and if lament is crying out, God, I want this. I'm hungering for you. I'm crying out. Then Thanksgiving is if you are stretching to God and God meets you in your stretch and provides some of what you've been longing for. But, but I, but I, but I struggle. I've struggled the past few weeks to try to help people understand the the depths of what oppression looks like because we all have times when we don't feel like we were the most important person in the room, but not everybody understands oppression. Maybe somebody didn't like you, but that's different than 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 oppression. I uh I I went to a very well-known school called Gordon Conwell for Seminary uh, out out in Boston, and 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 I had an experience there that I want to tell y'all about. It was it was common for many of my my brothers and sisters, but but I, but I want to say that even as I'm going to describe and help you get an understanding of of oppression, I don't want you to think that because there's this thing is deep and this thing is real that it defines my whole life or a person of color whole life. It it it. I am blessed that I have a God that loves me. I am blessed that I have parents and grandparents who pushed forward so that I would have a different experience today. I'm grateful that some things are a bit better than they used to be. But there are still clear obstacles that I face today. There's still clear things that are obstacles and oppression. And so whether it's political systems on both sides of the aisle that don't have my community in mind, whether it's economic inequalities where I have to pay more for the same goods or I make less for doing the same service than my white counterparts, or whether it's an educational system that's deemed unconstitutional because of the way it's funded, but yet nothing has changed. Or if it's environmental issues where it just so happens that the lead plant and the garbage dumps and the incinerators somehow seem to end up near the homes of people of color, whatever it is. Today, I wanna spend this 
wheel of sadness like the like the price is right wheel and we're gonna land just on police brutality for the day that that's that's gonna be where we land the plane today to try to help give you a little bit of a picture but but before i can even go to that picture simply let me help you understand how these drops happen this man named uh matthew henry he he broke down the 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 definition of of this psalm he said man david penned this in a particular occasion but don't forget that it was a prayer so he lets you into the intimacy of his personal life while also letting you see his reverence for god it's a it's a heartfelt prayer of what he was going through but it's also a celebration of god that is bigger than just his situation but it was definitely a situation of affliction that we don't know. That's what Matthew Henry said. I, I, I get to this white campus, uh, beautiful place, one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen and had the pleasure of living at. See some, get to know some, some amazing people. And one of the first books I receive is this, this book that helps you kind of understand the Bible a little bit. It's called a commentary. And Matthew Henry, is a guy who's probably one of the most well-known um, uh, commentators. Not saying he's the most deep or most profound or even the most accurate, but he's probably the most widely circulated commentary out there. You can go get it for $5 and it covers the whole Bible almost. Matthew Henry, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, like 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 all of these men are men that were super influential and they are people who when we try to do some research, you don't just like do research to understand God's word and look at it from just like 2011 and on. Like you're like you go back, you say, OK, and I, I see what God's word is saying, but am I agreeing with what people who have said throughout time, throughout history? How far can I go back to make sure that I'm not just trying to read something into the text, but that I line up with with the beautiful people that God has made? made over time and we're looking at this thing somewhat alike but then my heart breaks my heart breaks and here here this quote from a book called antebellum slavery an orthodox christian view it says that the great theologians and commentators matthew henry john gill john calvin and charles hodge saw nothing immoral or sinful in this institution of slavery Jonathan Edwards, the New England preacher, theologian, and missionary, preached perhaps the most famous sermon in America, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He was a slave owner and defended the institution. The greatest evangelist of the 18th century was George Whitfield. He was also a slaveholder and defender of the institution. Prior to the 19th century, no church or denomination ever denounced the institution of slavery. And that includes the Roman Catholic Church, the Greek Church, the Russian Church, the Lutheran Church, the, 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 do, 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 you, do you see how, how these small instances of things as yeah, that happened in the past are just drops that continue to rain right 
on, on the experience of black people to remind you not of your new recent up-to-date oppression, but of a history of oppression. And for me, it started as I first got my foundation in trying to understand God deeper. I would, I would argue that is, it would be very tough for a pastor to have some historical works within their library. That means something that's probably 1960s or prior, some historical works and it, and it not have, and you not have at least one book from an author that thought you were less than a man. If you were a man of color, you were a black man. And so these drops keep coming. Continue with me to verse two through seven. Because Paul, because David, he, 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 he dives into this thing, setting the stage that I am experiencing of, of affliction, but an oppression, but you are my God intimately. And so he he now says some things that's personal that reveal the, the type of relationship that is helping him get through this oppression. Some things that we could we could grasp and grab and, and find ourselves doing. He says, preserve my life for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord. For to you do I cry all day. You see that you see the lament aspect that is connected to this. But glad in the soul of your servant for to you, O Lord, do I lift my soul for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. I love that that he's remembering who he is in God and who his God is to him. Give ear, O Lord to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of trouble, of my trouble, I call upon you for you answer me. It's personal. It's affliction that's real, that's felt. It's intimate. It's him knowing exactly what he needs from God and coming right to God with it. But David's fixed on who God is, and he's also fixed on his situation. Look with me in the next, the next four verses. He says, there is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord and shall glorify your name for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Verse 10, you alone are God. You see now it, it, it switches a little bit. Now, now he's using a different term so that you would understand or so that he properly reverences God for being the creator of all things. 
And so while affliction happens because these people think that their life is more valuable than David's, while this challenge is happening to him and he's in the midst of this uh, turmoil, this situation, he's reminding himself, no, no, you are the creator. And because you are the creator, you are the one that, that take people who might look down on another and you put us all on a level playing field. It is you, God, who has created all things. And so he and so now he refers to God as Elohim. So you first had the, the intimate Yahweh. Let me tell you about this pain. But now you have Elohim. Let me lift your name up above this pain because you are greater than it. But then something happens in verse 11. Verse 11. And, and as I kept reading this this week, it. It was it was it was capturing my heart. I first didn't know what it was talking about. I didn't understand at first. And God spent some some time like revealing it and opening up and showing me and then giving me this old crazy analogy of these drips. Verse 11 says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. You see, you. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name. This is, this is said another way in the CSB Bible. It says, give me an undivided mind to fear your name. So unite my heart. My heart seems to be torn. It seems to be not on one accord with how to worship thee. My mind can be divided as if I don't know how to properly worship thee. And we know that the whole book of Psalms is about having wisdom and walking in God's precepts, his laws, so that we might honor thee. And so somehow he's got to this point in his affliction where he is divided. And, 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 and it's almost like that prayer that we find in Mark 9. My brother who I was eating with the other day had brought it back to my attention. It's almost this, this uh, our brother Alvin, he was saying, no way, we wasn't too close. We wasn't too close, y'all. Quit tripping. But, but in Mark 9, Jesus says to this man, if you can believe all things are possible, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. And the man Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me do the thing that I don't feel like I can do right now. This prayer is a similar prayer where it's like, I'm, I'm feeling so torn right now. I need you to unite my mind so I can be about your gospel. I'm feeling so torn. I need you to unite my heart so I can be about your gospel and 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 there's drips in life that that tear you and make it tough for you sometimes to see how am I supposed to be living unified for you, Lord, when I feel so oppressed, so afflicted, so needy. Can I can I give you one situation? And this is to help 
my my white brothers and sisters to make sure that they're 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 hearing me and get and getting the 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 the, the craziness of this. I'm just making sure y'all can hear me. So I'm checking the phone so that nobody don't say they can't hear me. Okay. Like, like, like when these situations go down, these situations of injustice, people see it as just one incident. But, but usually for, for black people, at least, and I'm speaking specifically about black people, because those are the incidents that are happening right now in, in, in our nation. We had a white cop, black man, white cop, black woman, white cop. And so sometimes you can look at it as just one instance, right? Maybe many instances. But, but I, I want to reveal to you kind of how like one instance will have many drips that remind you that you're, you're less than other people and lead you to maybe want to not unite your heart. See this anger and rage, but you know you got this godliness and you're trying to, let's, let's walk through just a couple of these situations. We got, we got, we got Ahmad Arbery. This brother is, is confronted by three men, a father, a son, and a friend that was a neighbor. Father, son, friend, that was a neighbor, okay? Here, here's, here's, here's one of the drips. Drip number one, father's a cop. Boom, what does that tell you? That tells you that yes, we are not valued as much because if anything, the, the person on the scene that I should call to help me is actually, he's the aggressor. Drop. Then, then you have the son who we have records of racist things he has said about people, even to the point of, well, racist history. Drop. Then you have the, the son who after he takes the life of this man, he's, he, he, I can't even repeat what he says. And right now they're debating on whether he said it or not, but, but he says something as if he, he deserved it inward. You see this? See, it wasn't just the death. The death's not enough. The death unpacks the situation and all the many different drops that that lead us. And so, so you got a system, right? You got people in the system that's supposed to be about justice, allowing two men. Later, we find out a third not to be prosecuted for months. We're talking about a we're talking about a couple months. And it and it was that you that you can kill a man and then not be prosecuted. 
then 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 they 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 find out not only are they taking the life of this man shoot this man but they but they use their truck and hit him at some point because they find fibers from his shirt on the tailgate of their truck do you, do you see how like each of the examples that 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 begin to be something that could drive you to go insane. I, I've only listed like like 40% of, of the drops that took place just in this case. Let's go back to Trey. Let's go back to Trayvon Martin, 17 year old. I, I, I sometimes think of my, my my little homie Kenny Mo. And I've been I've been blessed that Ken and Robin have allowed me to journey with them in life and get to know Kenny Mo over these years. And I because Trayvon was 17 when he passed away. I say, no, when he was murdered. And and even if you begin to debate, right? debate all the different aspects of George Zimmerman and maybe he was trying to trying to trying to you know protect his community and he was trying to do the right thing by policing his neighborhood and then you hear the 911 call sir don't don't do that sir you don't have, don't chase him sir right right there we got the evidence we need right then he gets off then, then he's 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 he gets off. He no no he does not do any jail time besides like being held through trial. So 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 let me let me tell you another drop that continues to get added, right? Now he's suing the family for 100 million. The, the the family. He he killed Trayvon Martin and now he's suing the Martins for one hundred million dollars. And he hires a lawyer whose history is suing black civil rights leaders. That's that's what he. Do you do you see? Like, 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 step into David's world. This is not a man who was saying, God, I need you to come through for me because I'm tired, because I'm just a little weak. This is waves of oppression. And, and sometimes you, you may not understand why I'm struggling, why I'm mad, why I'm frustrated. It's because the drops keep coming and it's enough to drive a person It's enough to drive you insane. He 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 not only sues them, he then goes on to make money off of selling Confederate flags. And then he sells the gun that he used to kill Trayvon Martin. That, that cut me two ways. It cut me that this man could try to prop it off of the death, but it cut me in a different way because I'm thinking to myself, who is the 
person that would buy this gun? Do you see, do you see how, how, how these things continue to just drop to the point where you feel the affliction is just overwhelming? And, and, I, and I'm going to put some, Jason, I'll throw some links to these things. Hey, I'm, I'm not saying start following like, like one of them is, I uh, think the cut is, is an article. I'm not saying start running with this uh, magazine and listen to it. It's actually extremely progressive. And uh, that's not my that's not my cup of tea. But as I looked at a number of different um, uh, outlets, that article within the cut actually was pretty dope. And so uh, I, I, I list that. Um, and another one about George. Sometimes, man, the, the, these aggressors, the woman at the at, at in the park, like I. I struggle saying their names because I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to lift them up in 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 the inhumane activities that they've committed still revere them as being created in God's image but I but I want to say their names when we talk about the redemption story I want to say their names when we talk about them having having uh posture that represents Christ I want to say their names when when it's not associated with hurting and damaging the lives of my people. So it's enough to 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 lead you to to not simply just dwell with it and deal with it. But like our brother David, you must. Ask God to help unite your heart. Black people the pain and the constant drips that you receive, it is real. And yet God does not want you to try to go it alone. God, in a world where we don't see ourselves ever being viewed in the same way as our brothers and sisters, Father, help our unbelief. But I, but I love that that David, you know, I don't know what the situation was, but he got a taste of God coming through. Look at verse 12 through 17. It says, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love toward me. You've delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Oh God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life and they do not set you before them. But you, oh Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me and give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. You've helped me and you've comforted me. I, uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm crying, man, because um, I know the only way that I'm, that I'm not insane is because I felt the Lord's help and comfort. And as, as, a, as a person of color, as I just have given you one snippet, we're only talking about like lives being taken at the hands of, of, of white people. George Zimmerman was not a cop, though he tried to act like one. I'm just giving you the the police brutality segment. We know that there are so many others. But in the midst of it, God has been there and said, my son, my daughter, I'm the creator. I am the one that see your beautiful skin color and how it reflects me. I see your value and your worth, not simply defined by what your body can do, but I celebrate the beautiful mind and intellect that I've given you. I am here to hold and to comfort you, not having you simply escape the pain, but I will be here with you, comforting you and helping you in the midst of it. Because I intimately love you because I am Yahweh. And so I got some stuff I'm thankful for. Got some stuff I'm thankful for, y'all. Come on, man. We we had some folks go to DC and uh, they, they're going to DC and I'm just gonna be honest. One of the things I said to Jenny was, I said, sis, um, I need you to leave all the passwords to everything because I don't, I don't know how to do nothing with, with, with our stuff. I don't, know, I don't know what to do. I'm like, but I need you to leave all the names and the passwords. And she was like, you know, hey, because if I go to jail, like boom, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and that's, hey, the, there's a lot of possibilities. And, and and in texting with one of my one of my white homies that that was there, like I I, I left these the, these two words because of the experience they were going into. I left two words and I said, uh, "Be safe, be safe." And uh, I don't I don't wish that it had to be that type of circumstance that that they went through to be able to understand the magnitude of what those two words were. Because as I as I'm saying, be safe, I'm not simply thinking about be safe. Don't get in jail. I'm thinking about be safe. Don't die. Be safe. And and sadly, I'm thankful that the world now gets to see the magnitude of those words because black mothers and black fathers say that to their children every time they go to work in a suburb, every time they go to college to try to get an education, every time they leave out of that, that reach where I can touch you and I can protect you and I can be with you. And I have to say those two words to remind you not to do something that might make somebody else feel nervous. 
I got to say to you, and you know what this means, be safe. I don't want, I didn't want the pain of this moment to help the nation see that, but, I, but I'm thankful that my white brothers and my Asian brothers and my Indian brothers, I'm so thankful that, that we, we get it a little bit now. We get the depths of that now. So God, in the midst of this lament and this crying, there is some gratefulness. There is some thankfulness because now we have some common experiences and common experiences help to move us forward and truly doing life together. I asked Jake to, to bring up a picture of something that I'm, that, that I'm also thankful for. I'm thankful that uh, that that police officers are are being women and men of integrity. I, I was I was marching and I was talking with uh, I went to a protest on Friday, and I was talking with Commander Haynes, and he was just sharing about uh, his desire to see a. Uh, uh, a beautiful Detroit and keep Detroit safe. And, and then um, I happened to be with a young lady who was, was, was a, a voice of peace in the midst of some folks that was tripping a little bit, but she was a voice of peace. And so Commander Haynes was directly, mostly talking to her. Then he goes, brings over uh, the coach from the Pistons. He starts talking with her. So talking with us. And, um, and, and I, as I stood there in that moment, it was clear to me that I, I don't know like what other people have heard, but the cops that I have known and have talked to also agreed with the people that what took place was murder. We, we haven't had that in our past. We haven't we we haven't had cops actually stand with the people, kneel and lift a fist to demonstrate that the beauty of God's creation is found in black lives and that they matter. And so I'm grateful. So I can thank God because he has done some uniting in this era where I am so upset that these things have had to happen, but we're starting to see some, some glimpses of change. We've got Confederate statues that have been torn down already, new laws and regulations that are before our leaders for how um, cops are gonna be trained. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff coming down the pipeline. Is it enough? Heck no because I'm still getting drips as I just woke up to a man that was killed in Arizona. And forgive me for not knowing his name. But I'm thankful that these relationships are going, going deeper. But the beauty that I, that I hold to, the thing that allows me to stay, stay strong in the midst of, of this trying time, can be found in Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. I should have put them up there, but just, just hear them. 
Hear these verses. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, this is Jesus, let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd, they took him with him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was great calm. You see, I serve a God that is bigger than any of those drips. We serve a God that is that is bigger than anything that the drips can form, any storm, any any type of rain, any type of water, whatever thinks it might be able to overtake us, whether it is slow or monsoon type size. We serve a God that can calm bring forth peace and steal the rain. These storms of hate ain't got nothing on our God. Our God got these drips. And he's asking us to have our being in him as he wants to provide comfort and help. Comfort and help. I'll leave you with, with two more words. Because some of you may not love Jesus today. And you understand the magnitude of, of when we say be safe, what that means in the black community. But I can leave you with two more words. Be saved. Be a person that is in the love and also in the protection of Christ. Because it is not a safe world. God is the one that protects you, wants to care for you, and you and I are not promised tomorrow and even not promised to be able to get through the affliction we are facing. But God says he wants to comfort you. He wants to help you. But you got to let him. You got to let him into your heart. You got to let him be king, be the leader of your life, and you be willing to say, Lord, forgive me for the sins that I've committed against you. I know I have not lived how you desired, but I want to. I want to led by you. I want to cared for by you. I want to under the power of your Holy Spirit. That's what it means to live as a Christian. If you are a person that is that is already walking that walk, but still saying, Lord, help me. Then I pray that today's message would would give you a little bit more understanding. And in understanding, you can draw a bit closer to people that you love. My hope is that there is a, a bond that continues to form deeper in our church body. Family, this ain't, this, this ain't a sermon for that. But we got work to do in our body, right? 
I love how how David makes it clear he's going to worship God, worship who he is, that he is creator of all things. But there's some personal aspects that he comes to God with. I need you to help lift my soul. So, family, there's some some personal work in this area of race, racism, understanding others, people's plights that's different than yours. And I want to say, let's walk together. It's, a, it's going to be a painful journey, but a journey that we're going to do together. Be safe and be saved. Let me pray for us. Lord, we are grateful. Father, we ask that you would help us when, when we feel divided hearts. A heart that wants to stone people created in the image, your image. Also a heart that wants to be led by your spirit. Lord, let us submit and and reject the temptation to to respond in a way that does not worship you, Lord. Let us unite our hearts and our minds and not be divided, submitting to your word and what you call us to do. Because when we do that, it's really a, a decision to say we trust you. And we don't have to take it into our own, excuse me, our own hands, but that we trust you, God. Free us up, empower us to do that. Doesn't mean we're going to be soft and be walked over. But it does mean that we will submit to you and your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.